The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Talk about reinvention. If there's any business which had to reimagine itself during the last two years, the live sports properties would be at the top of the list. Go back to March of 2020 when the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder called off an NBA game seconds before tipping off, and you'd have the crux of ESPN's world. The game tonight has been postponed. You're all safe. And... Take your time in leaving the arena tonight and do so in an orderly fashion. Thank you for coming out tonight. COVID tossed a curveball that no sports TV network could have possibly imagined. And in the center of it all was Burke Magnus, someone who was not only in charge of assembling a programming lineup for ESPN, but also in the new title of President of Programming and Original Content. And original content was the key phrase. Necessity met innovation, and Magnus and his ESPN team became the most innovative masters of their new domain. Remember the moment when Last Dance debuted? A sports programming lifeline that seemed to make the early days of COVID far more manageable with a new cinematic-like format to the story of the Chicago Bulls' championship run. It's the greatest team ever. What time is it? I'm going to ridicule you until you get on the same level with me. I'm making a free run of me. It was his team. My mentality was to go out and win. Or the rebroadcast of some of the greatest games from the four major sports that allowed stuck-at-home fans to relive the iconic moments in sport, and not just on ESPN Classic. Or how about the moments and years that went on, and the recent creation of the Manning Cast broadcast on Monday Night Football that has quickly become a cultural sensation, with Peyton and Eli hosting fellow athletes, actors, or musicians on the set as the NFL game is played in the background. It's hard to believe you're 41, bro. It makes me feel old. Happy birthday. Hey, the floor is yours. Please, please give him some kind of present. He needs it. Eli, I would like to present to you this death row chain for being so hip-hop and being <laughs> yes. so hip. That's yours, baby. Oh, when I see you, oh, you got that. I'm going to put that around oh, your neck. Okay. Happy 41st birthday, Eli. Uh, thank you. I will, I will look good in that. Eli, I want, you wear, I want you wearing that for the playoff game uh, in two weeks, all right? That's a, that's, a, that's a must. The variety show-like feel is already changing how fans watch games while helping draw new viewers to the NFL. If one assumed that ESPN had done it all, Burke Magnus is willing to give it a fresh look and a different perspective. And then, of course, is the absolute treasure chest that is Formula One. We've been waiting for this all season long. The finale, the title decider, under the lights here in Abu Dhabi. It's lights out, away we go, and Hamilton gets a decent start, and he's already ahead of Max Verstappen. There's a bit of jockeying going on between Sonoda and Ricardo. Hamilton leads into the first corner. Norris goes wide. Sergio Perez slips through in the third place. At a time when Netflix has made household names of global race car drivers, Netflix and Formula One and ESPN coming together have been gold. A 26-year ESPN veteran, Burke Magnus previously served as Executive Vice President, Programming Acquisitions, and Scheduling the last six years, helping lock in new rights agreements with the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the Southeast Conference. There are other frontiers to take on as well, including the proliferation of streaming and the runaway success of ESPN+. The landscape is indeed being reinvented. So how did he handle all of it during COVID? What are Burke Magnus's thoughts on the Manning cast creation? And what happens to TV networks in the next five years? In a rare interview, Burke Magnus tells all. He's my guest today. Hi, this is Burke Magnus with ESPN, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Well, Burke, welcome to the program. It's not often that we have a network executive on the show, but oh so appropriate as we consider cars and culture. You've certainly had an impact on both, and we're going to discuss that here today. But I want to start with the challenge that you had to do over the course of the last couple of years. And it was written that uh, you had a very busy number of months scrambling to fill a schedule when, of course, the pandemic forced the shutdown of everything. I, I'll, I'll start with this. What does a business model look like when you can't do your business model? Hmm. 
great, great question. I mean, it, it was, uh, I'll never forget, yeah, you know, where I was on March 11th, 2020. Um, you know, I happened to be at a retirement party for a colleague in New York City, but that was the night that, you know, that uh, the Nick? NBA it got canceled uh, their their games and or sort of put the season on pause because of a positive test. Uh, Rudy Gobert on the Utah Jazz. And, you know, I was I, I was sitting, you know, at this party and, you know, there was a TV, of course, on ESPN, uh, as we, <laughs> I think, are required to do at all ESPN right. functions. Mandatory. But, yeah. But uh, but I knew from that instant um, and pretty pretty simultaneous to that, I, you know, I started getting phone calls both from people at ESPN and, you know, and from the NBA uh, specifically, because we had two games that night. Um, and I, I just left. I immediately got in my car and, and, and started to head home because I, I knew that um, this was the beginning of something that was going to be serious and significant, you know, to our business. And ultimately we had at ESPN one more day, but the next day was Thursday uh, in the office. And then Friday, like so many other places, we sent all of our employees home and scrambled to figure out how we would run ESPN essentially remotely. Um, and, you know, and simultaneous to that was, you know, was the postponement or suspension or cancellation of event after event, league after league, just sort of domino, you know, uh, for the remainder of the year. And, you know, we're in the live sports business primarily, and and that was uh, that was you know an all hands on deck moment in terms of how to fill our schedule uh, with without without sports happening or with limited sports happening. I'll get into that in a minute because we did some fun and creative things that I think we ordinarily wouldn't do um, or wouldn't have the ability to do to 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 populate our schedule. But one one aspect of it all that I'm really actually very, very proud of is that we never went off the air. There was never a day, there has not been a day since then that we haven't been on the air with some live programming that, you know, initially that took the form of sports center and our morning show, get up and, and, and other things. We, we kept a live studio presence on the air the entire time. And that was mostly to sort of report to sports fans, what was happening, what we were hearing from, the NBA or major league baseball, or, you know, the masters was not far away from, from that day in March. So, you know, to have sports center be that beacon for sports fans to try and uh, make sense of it all was, was, was really important to us. And we made sure that, that that was on every day. Which of course, throughout the years has been the case. If you go back to nine 11, I mean, you yeah. gravitated to sports center to figure out where, how the sports world was going to react to uh, that event. But it's one thing to to sort of have an, an an incident where the sports world pauses. It's another to cancel everything outright. And when it is yeah. your source of programming, so what does that look like? Are you are you in a in a conference room with a whiteboard trying to figure out how do we fill time? There was no end in sight at that point. Yeah, and that's that's your lifeblood. Yeah, and and unfortunately, we only had one day of that dynamic because that was our immediate reaction, which was we have a big conference room, you know, like so many companies do. And we call it the war room, like everything. Yeah, you know, it like, is a war room. Yeah. yeah. And we, that's where we were on Thursday uh, of that, of that week in March. Um, and the immediate um, task was just to try and get a few days ahead. Right. Was, you know, it, it was, it felt a little bit like I'm a, I'm a, I was a history major in college. So, you know, I, I have all of these things in my mind where, you know, you can compare it to, and I, it was kind of like uh, trench warfare, you know, it was almost like one, you know, like kind of World War One, you were trying to get, you know, 20 yards further of ground of territory. And, and it, it felt like a slog, but we, we went day by day, hour by hour, day by day, week by week. And it was quite a while, actually, before we were working ahead more than about a week or 10 days. And and then, and what, what we tried to do was really just process the information that was coming in in terms of what was going to happen and what was not going to happen. Uh, try and uh, discern timelines, you know, for, for, for leagues. It was the ultimate, you know, moving target. 
And then really when we realized that there was going to be an extended period of time where we had limited, if any, live events, how are we going to make sense of the 24-7 programming schedule? And what, what could we do to, to try and put some structure to it and, and attract viewers um, as best we could? And what we did that, what we decided to do there was just build nights, theme nights, right? Where mm-hmm. we went to the NFL and we got the right to put on old Monday night football games. And we did that on Monday, you know, and baseball was on MLB was on Tuesday. NBA was on Wednesday, Thursday. We did college football. Friday night was like fight night, boxing and UFC. And Saturday was kind of a hodgepodge. And, you know, Sunday became ultimately our films, our movie night, right? Where the one thing we were extremely fortunate uh, to have in, in the, in, in process and almost to completion was our great series on Michael Jordan and the Bulls, The Last Dance. Absolutely. Yeah. So it wasn't Pivotal. quite ready. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about yeah. a high wire act. I mean, the, 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 the one thing we did, which was really nerve wracking, was we advanced that project to the point where we started airing it before it was done being produced. And really? So, you know, it was a 10 episode run. And we had, you know, we had, I think, two or three more to be finished. Uh, so we, we knew that we had, it was going to be once a week. We knew we had 10 weeks. Um, so we figured, okay, we, we, we were confident it could get done. And, and so we started, uh, and it became a phenomenon. Uh, obviously it was, I mean, it was an excellent, film. it was an excellent film to begin with, but to have it be pretty much the only thing of consequence, new and original, you know, on, on, in sports, uh, was, you know, really kind of elevated it to a, to a new level, but we, we were, you know, as, as the saying goes, better to be lucky than good. We had, we had that just about ready to go when, when the pandemic hit. So. Well, and of course it became, as they say, must see TV and during COVID became, I think a a little bit of a respite for, for those who who were stuck at home and, and it was great programming. Um, but that's interesting. So all hands on deck saying, okay, let's finish this thing because we're running out of time because next week is coming and the following week is coming. I mean, it's much about a scramble. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the other thing we were doing was, you know, we, we, we stretched the definition of what, you know, what we, what, what was, you know, what was passable, I guess, in terms of, of content and, and with a premium on live events, um, they were playing baseball in Korea. Uh, I don't know that you, if you noticed, but every single morning we had a <laughs> game did. live from the Korean baseball league on ESPN. And, you know, I got to know teams like the Doosan Bears and, you know, like you know, everybody, I mean, it, you know, it's sports, right? It's, so it's supposed to be fun, right? So, you know, we, everybody was at ESPN was picking their favorite Korean baseball team and we were following them. And it was, you know, so we were doing things like that and we were scouring, you know, the, the globe for anything and everything that, that um, you know, that, that we could, that we could offer by way of live sports. And, and then again, balancing that with, studio news and information via primarily via sports center. And then, you know, try to mine our original content and our archives, you know, with some semblance of, of, of order to it, you know, having beyond the last dance, I mean, having um, basically 10 years of, of 30 for 30 films, which were all excellent and, you know, about a hundred films, you know, that became a very useful tool uh, in the toolbox as well. Uh, It was, you know, it, now that, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, it, it was actually, it was quite a fun and fascinating challenge, you know, f- for us, not, not something I care to repeat, uh, you know, at all, but, but, um, but it was one of those moments where, where, you know, I was very proud of the people and the culture of ESPN. Everybody rose to the occasion. Oh, by the way, while also balancing, all the stress and strain on their own personal lives, you know, like everybody had to face in terms of the lockdown and, you know, remote or a remote work environment and different circumstances for people if they were living in New York or if they had kids, small kids and family and school and all the, all the, all that came with, you know, that, 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 that period was, was a challenge, but, um, but uh, hopefully we're on the, we're on the other side of that. All the while, too, you were helping to negotiate new rights agreements with the NFL, yeah. and Major League Baseball, the NHL, the SEC. You're doing that at a time when those entities aren't even operating. 
no, no, that was another, another fascinating part of it all. Um, and for me, like it was a, it was a major change for, for me, uh, in, in, in my life relative to, you know, what, what my normal day to day was, uh, pre COVID, um, you know, I travel qu quite a bit, quite extensively as part of sort of the normal course of business that went from, you know, a lot to, to zero overnight. And, you know, somehow, which, you know, actually was to prove to be, you know, a, a great, uh, a great thing from a productivity perspective. I mean, you don't realize it when it's happening, but the amount of time you travel, you know, which is not easy and was not easy pre-COVID and it's now even more difficult, um, you know, it takes a lot of time, right? So you got to get to the airport, you got to deal with parking, you got to get through security, you got to be on a plane, you got to get to your hotel. And just like the amount of time you spend getting from point A to point B, it, you know, as opposed to sitting, you know, in an office or at your desk at home, um, uh, you know, you know, proved to be, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I will, I'll exaggerate and say, I didn't know what to do with all my free time. Uh, but, but it, it was, it was one of those things where we realized that, um, you know, that because of the circumstances were so different, we, we actually had an opportunity, um, you know, to, to do what we did on, on the right side. And other than the fact that those, those, that process is, is very under normal circumstances done in person across a conference room table, eye to eye, face to face, you know, relationship management is a, is a big part of what I do with our partners, uh, our league partners and property partners. Um, you know, the, you know, we, we all kind of were in the same boat. So it's, it, you know, nobody was offended if you didn't show up, you know, uh, in, in person, everything was expected to be virtual we did some really complicated things, uh, but but it was it was oddly effective, and we and did oddly, and so we did a lot of deals. <laughs> yeah, and oddly serendipitous that you were put in charge of original content in November of 2020. Yeah, it's exactly what you needed was original content. Yeah, exactly, and and that you know, we we have a a really talented team um, of people who who work on you know, original content, uh, under our 30 for 30 banner on and ESPN films banner. And now ESPN plus with so much of the series, you know, the kinds of things we're doing, like the Tom Brady series we're doing right now, we have a project with Derek Jeter that's going to hit next summer. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I look at that as, you know, I, I have the privilege of, of, of being a steward for a really talented group of people that frankly don't, need me you know meddling in, in what they do it's more a question of of uh of managing right and 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 keeping you know everything on, on the rails a very very different process than the live rights acquisition process um so um you know but critically you know the the it's it's the third leg of the stool for us right in no particular order really it's it's you know obviously live event programming um uh, news and information and studio and original content and films. And that, that all comes together to really uh, across, you know, the broad platform that we have um, as part of Disney uh, with ABC on the broadcast network side, multiple ESPN networks, our ESPN branded social and digital, including the ESPN app and ESPN.com and all of our social uh, outlets. And now ESPN plus on direct to consumer. That's, it's a lot of mouths to feed as, you know, with content and, but those are the key components and every day that goes by original becomes, you know, I think more important to that effort as you surround, you know, as you offer people a diverse option of, of things over the course of, uh, you know, of a sports year. This program is titled Cars and Culture, and I would argue, and I'm sure you would too, that sports is culture in America. Sports is culture globally. Is mm -hmm. ESPN the keeper? of much of our culture? You know, I, that sounds really big and heavy, um, you know, so I don't, you know, I, ESPN has always been a very um, humble cult, culture. I think, I mean, our old, our, our, not old, he's not old at all, but our, our former president, George Bodenheimer, mm -hmm. uh, used to always use the, 
the children's book, The Little Engine That Could, right? To, to sort of m motivate people, right? It, and, 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 it, and that's because for, for a long period of time, we were, you know, we were the insurgent, right? We were the, we were the, we were that, 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 that little engine in the, in the face of uh, the big broadcast network sports departments. And, yeah, ESPN was an upstart. It's hard to believe at this point. Yeah, we were, it truly yeah. was. And, and we used to joke with him, you know, he, he used to say that long, long after it was true anymore. Right. I mean, we, we became, <laughs> we became big and we became enormous and, 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 but we've always kept, we've always kept that, that, that part of our culture where people just, it, you work hard and you, and you, you know, you roll up your sleeves and we're all sports fans and we're doing it for, you know, for people like ourselves and, you know, and, and, and it's fun. Right. So I don't know that, that, that it may be true what you said, but I don't, I, nobody thinks of it that way. Um, we just try to do right by fans. And, and, and so, you know, so that's kind of how we think about it. In your original content, that third leg of the stool, original content is, is so critical, as you say. And then if we talk Tom Brady or Derek Jeter or Michael Jordan, ESPN is that is that keeper of the culture. It is it is the um, a window into many of our lives, how we felt about those players at the time, how we felt about those teams. And it becomes a bit of a cultural icon to some extent or a, a cultural vault even. So maybe outside of live events or news shows, the original content is keeps the culture alive, keeps sports culture alive. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think I think uh, you know the way we look at it probably goes back to the for, to the formation of Thirty for Thirty. Now, over a decade ago, um, that was done in in conjunction with our thirtieth anniversary. We're now a forty two year old company, so it's we've been at it for a while. Um, but we looked at we looked at um, we looked at our role relative to what you discussed in terms of documenting you know, sports history in a way. And they're not all, you know, grainy black and white. Obviously we're doing <laughs> Tom Brady still on the field playing. Um, uh, but we looked at sort of what that, the dynamic you, you discussed as an important part of what we could deliver to sports fans. And, you know, sometimes that's an older story. Sometimes it's a current story, but, but it's all to try and provide fans uh, additional access and additional context to what's happening in sports. Um, and, you know, 30 for 30 got that ball rolling years ago. Now we do, obviously we do, we continue to do those projects. We do things under the ESPN films banner. We do things under ESPN original content. Uh, and now again, with ESPN plus we're into episodic things. It's not just standalone films. Uh, we can do shorts and series like, um, Peyton's Places, uh, uh, which has now got offshoots. His brother Eli's doing one with college football, and we're doing others uh, in other sport categories as well. But yeah, I mean, we look we look at we look at that you know, as a, as an important uh, part of the fan experience. And clearly, whether it's what we're doing or what others are doing, because others are certainly in the space as well, fans are reacting to that. They want that as part of the of the of the you know the quilt, if you will. And ESPN now represents the fabric of sports uh, across the um, across the country, around the world. Uh, the exposure to female athletes as well, you know, something that um, I think probably in the in the forty two you know, originally forty two years ago was not as prominent, and certainly is now. So, uh, showing the 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 true quilt of America, if you will. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, we we've been heavily involved and invested in in women's sports for for many years a lot of that manifests itself you know or has uh roots back to our activities in college sports which is so integral to the the, mm -hmm. the offering um you know at uh, that, that we do um we're really proud of the fact that you know for example we've you know we're the home of the women ncw women's basketball tournament we've been a, we were a founding partner of the wnba five you know uh 25 years ago um you know, whether it's women's soccer, volleyball, lacrosse, I mean, tennis is, is his huge tennis, which is probably the ultimate manifestation of, you know, an equal presentation of, of women and men's mm -hmm. sports simultaneously, uh, which I think the world aspires to, to recreate that in, in, in many other 
uh, um, uh, sports and, and categories. Yeah, it, to me, it's it's again absolutely essential. We we look at sports fans as not one thing, but as many things that come together. Sports is a great unifier for our country, the people of our country, the people of the world. Um, and in order to be effective, and by the way, that's why you know uh, diversity and inclusion for, has been a company value and 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 priority for us for for many years because. It, and it's not just the right thing to do, but it's also a business imperative. You need your product to reflect your audience and your audience. And, and we, we, we um, you know, we recognize that our audience is, is very diverse in, in every dimension of, of that. And, and you need your content to reflect that. And we, we, we've taken that approach relative to women's sports since the very beginning. I want to get into some cars now. Uh, sure. But first, Burke, let's go back to Holy Cross. You're actually a oh, former rugby player. I am, yes. You, know, you mentioned being a history major, but you, you were a sports guy right from the start. Um, and, and by the way, uh, would probably credit Professor William Green or Professor David O'Brien for getting you where you are, at least pushing you on your path to get going. Most people wouldn't know you were a reporter at the National Catholic Reporter, correct? <laughs> you did, boy. You did your research. You're going deep into the archives, deep uh, into the Burke Magnus archives. Yeah. But you were a car guy. You were a Formula One guy as a kid. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was an everything kid in terms of my fandom. I, I, I'm part of the wide world of sports generation. Uh, that was like the beacon for me, you know, to 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 have that show take me around the world and you know literally like the the you know jim the, mckay the, jim mckay like the, the slogan was absolute for me was absolutely true so like i remember you know the cliff diving in acapulco and sure you know the, the you know bobsledding in san moritz and you know, and formula one formula was one. part of it and you know i, I remember uh, i also was sort of a re religious you know indy 500 watcher when when i was a kid I, to me I just love big events and, and, and I, and I loved almost any form of competition growing up. I was fascinated by it. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly oriented towards cars. I'd not, you know, I'm not a, <laughs> I was not a shade tree mechanic when I was growing up. In fact, I, I can put gas in a car. I can make sure my tires <laughs> are, are, are at the pop, the proper pressure. I'll leave everything else to, to the professionals. Um, in terms of my own ability to to uh, to uh, service an automobile, but um, but I was always fascinated. I love the Formula One to me, like the and for for kids to this day, like the technology and the and the and the beauty of these these machines and the, like they just seem like spaceships to me, and they were they were just so cool, and everything around it was cool, and uh, and I think that it remains that to this day. It's it's sort of kind of ebbed and flowed in, in American sports culture over the years in terms of its, you know, popularity. Um, but when I was a kid, you know, uh, Mario Andretti was, was in F1 for, for a period of time. And, right. and so, you know, I think, you know, that, that's, that's how I grew up and, and, and it helped me when I got to ESPN because there was really nothing. They could have told me you're working on anything, literally anything. And I would have been, I would have been like, yes, gung ho. You know, I don't care what horse racing, figure archery, bowling, <laughs> archery, you know, didn't, it didn't need to be the, the NFL or, or the NBA or major league baseball, but, but, um, but that's just because I grew up watching it all. But you become part of a team that leads formula one racing uh, through your affiliation with ESPN's programming department, that yep. brings F1 back to ESPN. Yep. It yeah. was the first time when you did it in 2018. It was the first time since 1997. How difficult was that to engineer? Well, it it was. I I guess the biggest challenge I had, like, well, first of all, I, there was a, there was a sort of built-in advantage, which was, you know, when 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 Liberty took over ownership and and installed, you know, two people that I knew. One I knew very, very well, Sean Bratches. He's been on this uh, program. Yeah. Yeah. Former colleague at ESPN. And and one I knew pretty well from from industry, uh, from our industry is was Chase Carey, who mm -hmm. who obviously got the job to run it. Um that that made, you know, the contact and the conversation with 
with F1 um, as easy as it could possibly have been. The interesting thing for me as part of it was the internal conversations, right? I mean, and again, this goes all the way back. When I started at ESPN, one of the first big breaks I got was to manage the motorsports category. This would have been in that late 90s period of time. And, and at that point, we had launched ESPN2 not, not, not too long before that. Motorsports was a absolute core component to, to, to what we did, right? We had NASCAR rights. We, we were probably the biggest NASCAR rights holder at the time. We had F1, we had NHRA drag racing, we had IndyCar and CART, we had, um, you know, Supercross and Motocross and, you know, hydroplane racing, we had everything. And, and over time that, that just, it started to sort of just fall away and, and, um, and, you know, F1, we, we didn't have for, for a really long period of time. Um, but I knew, you know, I knew, as they say, I knew just enough to be dangerous, right? And, and when Sean and, and Chase, um, you know, we started talking to them, I just wanted to, to make sure, and I, all credit to, to my boss, Jimmy Pitaro, you know, to, he, under, he doesn't, you know, obviously he's running ESPN. He doesn't, he's a huge sports fan. He doesn't need me to make a PowerPoint presentation on why F1 is important. Right. right. But, but we hadn't had it for so long. So like, so it was, it was just about, it, it was as much about getting people to sort of consider that we would get back into motorsports in a meaningful way with a globally important property um, was just all, it kind of was off the radar. Right. Like, cause we, we were just kind of out of it and, and, uh, but pretty quickly, and with Jimmy's support, we got into a deep and meaningful conversation about what was possible with, you know, with Sean uh, and Chase, and and uh, it snowballed from there. And personally, I couldn't have been more excited because I, you know, I, I went from like this is a long shot when he, you know, when when he first called to like, oh my God, I think we're going to do this, and and it was uh, so it was cool. It was it was really cool, and and I recognized. You know, and this is where Sean and, 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 and Chase were, were brilliant in this regard because they made the U.S. market a priority um, in terms of they recognized the upside of making F1 more significant in this market. Um, and, you know, that's what the deal was all about. And 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 they knew and Sean knew because, you know, we, we've we've known each other for years and years that the best way to do that in the U.S. was through ESPN. And and so. You know, and he knew that we could be motivated to really put our shoulder behind doing that. And and uh, that sort of was the essence of your of the initial conversations. And I'm guessing you could have never have envisioned where we sit today when we think of the impact of four years of Drive to Survive, of course, on Netflix. <laughs> you look at the ratings, which I think at last count were up, I don't know, 40 to 50 percent. You can tell me from the time yeah. that, that you first took over and the impact. And now, of course. Formula One's expansion into uh, places like Miami, which which will come uh, early next year. So in a way, yeah. it's a bit of a stroke of genius to some extent. Yeah, well, you know, again, <laughs> better to be lucky than good. I, I think the timing was right. I think Liberty has made a lot of, again, I'm not an expert on the, on the competition or, you know, the the car specification or any of the changes they're making on the technical side. I just know that what, what America, I feel like I know what, what Americans will sports fans will respond to if given a little bit of a nudge. And, and I knew that, you know, one of the other key elements of it was, you know, the, you know, the great job that, 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 that F1 does on, on their world feed production. And then obviously we, we take the star, um, I'm sorry, the Sky production, I can't believe I said, or Sky production, um, which is excellent. Um, um, you know, and, and so I knew that, I knew that what was going to be on the screen was going to be absolutely top notch. And, and um, that was an uh, important component to it as well. But you're right, a bunch of things came together. We made a commitment. I mean, we made a commitment to, to you know, this was not going to be wh wherever we could, we could put it on the highest possible stage we were going to do that it, you know we put races on abc we put races on espn not espn2 we, we we did all three practice sessions and qualifying 
you know, we we're, if we had a network, we put it on, and and um, and you know, we I, I again, I knew that you know that there was going to be some fits and starts at the beginning, but that ultimately, if we could get some momentum, it would just be that much easier for us to continue to grow and build and push, and you know, and then drive to survive happened too, which was which was obviously, you know, in a way, it was kind of what we would consider to be off-channel marketing, right? Which is, yeah, you know, Netflix has an audience that's completely different from, from our networks. And they were showing, you know, this, this series that was, was good, well done, compelling. And all the while, like, if you're building fans, they, they have to come back to watch the races. I mean, that the race and the races were only in one place. So, so uh, for us, that it was that was original content. Yeah, the yeah. original content was being done for you. Yeah, yeah. So and it was feed on it was a great Yeah, great compliment to what we were doing. And of course, Sean was behind the effort to get Drive to Survive uh, out there as well, working with the yeah. director and uh, producers of that. And you said something a moment ago that I, I just want to pick up on because some people might not recognize this. You did make the decision to carry Sky Sports presentation. And your friends at the Sports Network, also known as TSN in Canada, had already been using Sky Sports. No point in going out and hiring your own people. You've got the best coverage in the world there, correct? Yeah, I, I, I look at it that way. Now, my design uh, would be over time that, that we continue to, to put more of an ESPN, you know, um, flair to it, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. like, I would like in the not too distant future to have some ESPN people on site at every race, right? Um, for the North American races, maybe we do even more than that. Maybe it's, you know, have a studio. We, we did a little bit of that in Austin this year, you know, good morning, good morning. America was there and ESPN, our studio and sports center was there. And I think we can continue to build on that to make, to make, um, you know, to, to give it an ESPN stamp on it. Right. Um, uh, Cause I, again, equally as important to the race coverage and the original content is news and information. So I would love to have a person there, if only to service sports center with, you know, with our own, you know, specialized news, news and information coverage, having, you know, our people talk to drivers and ask questions that are relevant to the U S audience. Um, that's a next step development in, in, in our coverage, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it hopefully as a next year thing, not a, not a, not a distant, uh, uh, effort but you're right i mean sky um their coverage is is amazing the talent is is incredible they the resources they dedicate to it and the number of people and commentators they have you couldn't ask for anything more so so again i, I think there was sent some sentimentality around around the the job that nb and the people that that nbc had involved for so many years and i understand that completely um but but again i felt like over time, you know, people were going to respond better to, you know, to the, to the, to the level that, that, that Sky was, was presenting. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Burke Magnus, ESPN president of programming and original content. Court TV is now on Sirius XM. Hear live gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage, in-depth legal reporting, and expert analysis of the nation's most important and compelling trials, historic live oral arguments from the United States Supreme Court, and relive the trial of the century with OJ25, with new episodes every Sunday night, as well as your favorite Court TV mystery shows, like The First 48, Corrupt Crimes, and Forensic Files. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Online at Channel 793. Comedy Central Radio brings you the biggest names in comedy. And Monday through Thursday, listen to The Bonfire. It's The Bonfire, everybody. With Big J Okerson and Dan So It is a cavalcade of fun. Children should not be hearing this, but you should if you're an adult. The Bonfire. Every Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 p.m. East. Yeah, feeling great. Pretty crazy. Exclusively on Comedy Central Radio. Sirius XM 95. Back in full effect. I mean, we're all back full effect. Or listen anytime on the Sirius XM app. Volume Sirius XM 106 is your 24-7 talk channel about music. Featuring shows hosted by musicians, including Melissa Etheridge. How are we 
when you wrote that song, for goodness sakes. Goo Goo Doll singer John Resnick. Do you find yourself being more creative when you're in a darker place? Drummer Steve Jordan. You are embedded in American pop culture. Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian. I give a glance to my right and it's Mick Jagger standing next to me. This is Volume, Sirius XM 106. Your liner notes to the world of music. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep. As technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars. From industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back into Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Now back to my interview with Burke Magnus, ESPN president of programming and original content. Do you think there's an opportunity to do more behind the scenes efforts um, with other sports? And, and you were part of ESPN original entertainment team that uh, really served as the project manager for some great programs, the Dale Earnhardt Three. Yeah. Uh, critically acclaimed second highest rated movie of 2004 on ad supported cable, things like that. Are there more, you know, the behind the curtain efforts that you think will, will come out of some of the um, latest projects that you've been a part of, or out of something like the Netflix series? Are you talking for F1 specifically in general out of other leagues? Yes, I think so. I think people have recognized you know, at the point that you just made, uh, which was, which is, you know, and, and we've known this for years and we're, we're trying to sort of also integrate it into the live event coverage. You, you, you know, access is so important, right? Like so important. People want to, want to see something. They want to have media take them somewhere they can't get on their own, you know, whether that's a locker room or a, bus ride to the stadium or to get to know the personalities of the people, which in F1's case, I think there's so much upside there. I mean, just you, these drivers who, who you don't get to know yeah. when you watch the race at all, you know, and then you, you do get to know them, you know, uh, in, in, a, in a behind the scenes piece or, or in an access or just something fun and frivolous. Like we, we had Daniel Ricardo, you know, talk to us about, in, in Austin about his friendship with Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback and, and how that came about and how he, he was wearing a Bills jersey and he's a fan. And like, you or know, Daniel you, drove Dale Earnhardt's car around. Right, right. Amazing so, yeah, so all of, you know, that gets fans invested in, in, in the people and the personalities. Um, and if you can figure out a way to do that without compromising or disrupting the competitive you know dynamic the why they're there to do their job right and and um then i think you have you have some real upside there and that that goes for every sport across the board you know tennis golf you know the team sports um you know it's why nfl films has been successful for so many years right i mean uh so yeah that that's only going to continue to grow um and we want to be a part of it, but we also recognize that 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 drives you know fans to become more invested and more interested in than when the games happen. There, or you can, or you can put your, or you can put your favorite personalities on television broadcasting the game with the right. Manning well, cast. Yes, yes, great point. <laughs> what, Lest I forget. What what an enormously successful creative thing to do. You got a couple of personalities that love to play off each other. Um, yep. whether it's, uh, Eli shaking his hips like Shakira to break down a play or, um, or it's, you know, either one of them donning, you know, jerseys, <laughs> what do you make of all that? I just think it's one of those moments that happens periodically in this business where you just come across something that works flat out works. Like, yeah. you know, th they have chemistry because they're brothers, um, you know, that they, that no two, no other two people would have necessarily except I guess another pair of brothers, but, but they're <laughs> completely unique. I mean, talk two brothers who have both won Super Bowls, both competed at the highest level, have fun and interesting and approachable personalities. You know um, we've now entered the phase where 
we almost don't need to call anybody to be a guest on it. They're calling us, um, you know, um, because it's just so fun and it's a different way, you know, different way to, to watch a game. And by the way, like I'm the biggest football fan in the world, believe me, college and pro and, but there's a lot of football on, on television. So by the time you get to Monday night, um, (laughs) as a sports fan with your, all your regular life, you know, demands, you know, it, it better be a pretty good football game to, 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 to keep you, keep you interest, interested unless there's something else. Right. And, and, you know, I, I, I think that they are that something else. Like it's, it's just, it, it's a, it's a great way to consume uh, a game. You know, the, the NFL is the ultimate league for, for they've, they've mastered the, the ability to attract fans who to watch two teams that aren't their team you know, anyway, right? Like I'm a New York Giants fan. So, but I'm going to, I sit down and watch Monday Night Football every week because the NFL has trained me to, to care. And, and I do, but this makes it that much easier because while you might not be interested in the traditional presentation of every single game, um, you have this now fun and interesting and cool way to watch it. It's anyway. entertainment. It's entertainment, entertainment, which is what sports yeah. should be, right? Exactly. But this just in, it's fun. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sports is fun. Burke, let me ask you, the future of sports media is the community of sports fans. And when I say community, I mean extensions into mobile-based co-viewing platforms is maybe the next big innovation in broadcasting. Is that perhaps just as important as the quality of what's on the field or on the ice? Yeah, I, I think I think there's something there, and we're and we're definitely t- t- tugging on that thread. You know, sports at its essence is a shared experience. Um, we've learned a lot during the pandemic of how, you know, how to try and recreate that in a world where for a long time we, you know, we couldn't gather together. Um, but there's beyond the current circumstance, I think a future state without question has that community element to it um, beyond maybe what what it's been for for you or I uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And I don't know, I think I like the way you put it there in terms of just as important. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think, you know, it's, 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 it's something that supplants, you know, what's happening on the field. But I think again, in order to maximize audience and continue to grow fan bases, um, sports are half are going to have to consider how to solve that. Um, with every bit the urgency that they focus on what happens on the field or on the court or on the course. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, you know, our role is less. So, I mean, obviously we don't have a role in terms of what happens on the, on the field, but, but we, we are, we realize that dynamic. And, and now I think leagues are realizing that, you know, the sports fan of, of today and really the sports fan of the next decade or more is 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 very different from from the sports fan of the of the prior generation in terms of how they how they behave and and frankly how you can reach them right yeah i'm speaking um, of that i mean you you have said uh, that a successful media entity in sports is going to have to have an array of vehicles to reach consumers and what you meant by that was it's critically important to reach fans through broadcast multi-channel direct to consumer digital news and information social we're a long way from your internship at CBS Sports Programming Office, aren't we, Burke? Yes, in, in, in every possible way you could define that, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what, what, what we believe here and, and, and definitely the approach we, we take. Part of the transition that's happening right now is that um, leagues and media entities are, are you know, in a never ending quest to reach fans. And we think we have a pretty good mousetrap with all of the things that you just mentioned. Like I said, ABC, ESPN, mm-hmm. our digital and social, the app, ESPN plus on the direct to consumer side. That is all of those things, you know, in, in a fragmented world where people have an unlimited array of things tugging at their time is really gives you the best chance to succeed. Um, you know, without 
one of those things or two of those things, much more difficult, much more challenging. Um, you know, I get questions a lot about specific, literally specific competitors of, of ours in the, in the media space. And I generally deflect that by saying, it's not, th those are not, that's not how the way we look at competition. The way we look at competition is people's time, right? We're all in a chase for share of time. And, you know, whatever takes somebody away, you know, whether it's a different form of entertainment or going out to dinner or a kid's sports game or anything that, that is, that is what, you know, you're, you're trying to overcome in a really complicated and fragment fragmented world. Like I said, well, heavy or not Burke Magnus, you are documenting culture on a daily basis and uh, kudos to you and your team and uh, for all the excellent work that you do. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts uh, here on cars and culture. And um, we look forward to the next interesting twist in the ESPN story. I'm, I'm sure there will be fascinating ones to come. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Happy to, to have done it. It's a pleasure to meet you. And, and uh, you know, I look forward to getting to my next F1 race. I never thought I would go <laughs> this long. Uh, I think the yeah. last one I was at was uh, Silverstone in, in July of uh, 2019. So, uh, you know, hopefully 2022 offers more opportunities. Now, well, happy new year to you. Thank you. You too, Jason. Thanks to Burke Magnus, ESPN president of programming and original content. And thanks again for listening to Cars and Culture. You can follow Cars and Culture on LinkedIn and Facebook, as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and Twitter at Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. We'll see you down the road. Court TV is now on Sirius XM. Hear live gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage, in-depth legal reporting, and expert analysis of the nation's most important and compelling trials, historic live oral arguments from the United States Supreme Court, and relive the trial of the century with OJ25, with new episodes every Sunday night, as well as your favorite Court TV mystery shows, like the first 48, Corrupt Crimes, and Forensic Files. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Online at Channel 793. Comedy Central Radio brings you the biggest names in comedy. And Monday through Thursday, listen to The Bonfire. It's The Bonfire, everybody. With Big J Okerson and Dan So It is a cavalcade of fun. Children should not be hearing this, but you should if you're an adult. The Bonfire. Every Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 p.m. East. Yeah, feeling great. Pretty crazy. Exclusively on Comedy Central Radio. Sirius XM 95. Back in full effect. I mean, we're all back full effect. Or listen anytime on the Sirius XM app. Volume Sirius XM 106 is your 24-7 talk channel about music. Featuring shows hosted by musicians, including Melissa Etheridge. How old were you when you wrote that song, for goodness sakes? Goo Goo Doll singer John Resnick. Do you find yourself being more creative when you're in a darker place? Drummer Steve Jordan. You are embedded in American pop culture. Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian. I give a glance to my right and it's Mick Jagger standing next to me. This is Volume Sirius XM 106. Your liner notes to the world of music.